The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. What a privilege to be able to share with you guys tonight on the eve of Thanksgiving, what is probably uh, one of my favorite holidays for our family when I think about it. You know, Christmas, and you, you guys who are parents, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Christmas is one of those holidays where it's like, okay, there's a lot of work involved, there's a lot of like, you know, preparation, then there's ripping and tearing of presents, and then everybody kind of splits up and does what they, they do and plays with all their gifts and whatever else. But Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is that time where the whole family gathers together in one room. We sit across the table from one another. We pass food and tell jokes and rehearse old family stories that are just hilarious. We talk about that time that so-and-so got their foot stuck in the toilet. And, you know, we we tell those old stories and, and rehearse those moments in our family that will live on as epic adventures in each of our lives. It's a wonderful, wonderful season. But I, I, I got to be honest, you know, this week leading up to Thanksgiving was a little bit of a bummer. I mean, when you, I don't know if you guys keep up on the news or what's going on. I mean, some people are just like completely checked out of the news. They go, oh, man, I, I want nothing to do with that. It's just totally depressing. Well, I, I, I don't do that. I try and, you know, keep up with what's going on. And, and, uh, and sure enough, it led to depression, which, you know, maybe they're right. <laughs> But, you know, I found myself just thinking, okay, Thanksgiving week. Oh, right, here we go. We're, we're moving on into Thanksgiving. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be so fun. And then I, uh, by the time I got done watching the news this week, I found myself going, what in the world is going on? What is up with the world today? I mean, this week we have witnessed the burning for the second time of a city ignited in racial tensions. Our president, the president of the United States, um, he apparently has completely lost faith in the government that he presides over because he's decided to take and make an executive order and pass a law without going through the proper channels to be able to do that. Which, you know, I even agree with in some ways and am sympathetic to those who feel trapped here in many ways. At the same time, there's a proper rule of law. So, If our own president no longer believes in the system, what's going on in our country? And then to top it all off, one of my heroes, one of my family's heroes. I mean, last Thanksgiving, you know how we ended the the sort of Thanksgiving break? We we had a, a, a run on the Cosby show on Netflix, and we watched Cosby in our pajamas until we couldn't take it any longer. And I, I, I just remember laughing with my family and, and being so excited. He's one of my family's heroes. I can remember sitting there and, 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 and thinking about the dynamics of the Huxtable family. You know, despite the fact that, that Sandra had apparently decided to leave Princeton and law school to start up an outdoor school with her, or an outdoor store with her, her husband, Elvin, made no sense. Despite the fact that, that Theo was dyslexic, had a, a learning disability, despite the fact that, 
that all of the members of the family were sometimes chaotic and made really weird, random decisions. They, they had this love, this bond that knit them together, and no matter how the tension would come in the middle of an episode, it always resolved itself with the family loving one another. And I think that was a part of the draw, you know, I think, especially for those of us in America who've experienced the brokenness of families, who have seen the hurt that families can inflict, you know, seeing this sitcom where a family always resolves with love, we go, oh, man, I love this. And, and America was really drawn into that, and now, and now it's all exposed. All along, Bill Cosby was just what he said he was, an actor. And the abuse that's sort of taken on a life of its own behind the scenes, the things that have come out and being re been revealed, whether true or not, accusations or not, it's the reminder that all of our heroes are fallen. I go, why? Why is that? Even the imaginary ones, like Dr. Huxtable, somehow get tainted, get corrupted. See, the problem is it was just a show. The people in it were actors. Behind the scenes, something different was going on. Why do our heroes fall? Why is the world upside down? You know, the answer might surprise you. It's actually tied to the holiday that we're about to celebrate. The reason that the scriptures give us, the thing that God tells us is wrong with the world is a lack of of thankfulness. You say, what? Yeah, I mean, how do you tie Ferguson and Bill Cosby and all that to a lack of thankfulness? I think, Jeremy, I think you're reaching. Well, maybe. But hear me out. Hear me out just first. First of all, let, to understand how this happens, let's ask ourselves, how does Thanksgiving happen in the first place? When you think of Thanksgiving, what comes to mind? When you think of Thanksgiving, what comes to mind? I, mean, I think for a lot of us, it's like immediately turkey, mashed potatoes, a, a, a family gathered around, pumpkin pie, which by the way, my, my family, I won't, I won't mention that it was my mother-in-law, um, forgot pumpkin pie one year for Thanksgiving. How do you do that? How can you have Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie? That makes no sense whatsoever. It's just like every other day of the week as far as I'm concerned. Pumpkin pie, football, the Macy's Day Parade, pilgrims, and sometimes we even think about thankfulness. Sometimes that even crosses our mind that maybe we should be thankful on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, like Christmas, is prone to having its essential meaning swallowed up in the harried business of all that that wonderful holiday entails. Thanksgiving is about being thankful. You know, the Apostle Paul mentions thankfulness quite a few times throughout his writings, but one of the places where we see it the clearest is in the book of Colossians. So if you grab your Bibles, I promise not to keep you long, let's go to Colossians, and I just want to walk through some of Colossians with you. We're going to end up eventually in Colossians 3, but I, before we get there, I want to kind of uh, walk through the opening 
parts of Colossians. You see, thankfulness is the theme of the book of Colossians. Each of the book has, uh, each of the book's four chapters makes at least one reference to thankfulness. In the first chapter, in verses three through six, Paul writes this. He says this, again, Colossians chapter one, verses three through six. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed it has to the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and growing as it does among you since the day that you heard, uh, since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's what he says. The response to the gospel, what I see happening in your lives because of the gospel, produces in me thankfulness. Now my, my immediate thought, when I look at you, when I see your faith, church, when I, when I witness the hand of God in your lives and his heart to save you, to pluck you from sin, to pull you out of a life of despair and an eternal destiny of destruction, my first initial thought is, thank God. Thank God for the gospel. That's his first thought. The response to the gospel is thankfulness. Then he goes on to say, just a few verses down in verses 9 through 14, in the same chapter, the first chapter, he says this. And so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay? So since we heard about what the gospel's doing in you, we started praying for you. And every time we think about you, we lift up a little prayer for you. Which, by the way, great spiritual discipline. Somebody comes to your mind, somebody is constantly being pressed on your mind, turn to the Lord in prayer. Begin to pray for them, intercede, give thanks for them. It's a great spiritual discipline. This is what Paul the Apostle does. And he goes on to say, we're praying that you will increase in bearing fruit, in good works, in knowledge, that you may be strengthened, verse 11, with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, and that you might do all of that with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, has transferred us unto the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> he says, okay, here's, what's, here's what we're praying. We're praying that God would work in you. And that he would work in such a way that you begin growing in faith, in knowledge, and your heart to endure and persevere just, just begins to swell and get bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, it erupts in the final stages in thankfulness. And what comes out of you is like, 
Oh, God, you have been so good to me. Look at what you've done in my life. Look at how I've grown. Look at where I've progressed to. God, I can't help but give you thanks. (laughs) He says the result, not only the response to the gospel is thankfulness, but the result of growing in the gospel is thankfulness. And then if we come just a few verses down in Colossians to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, he says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay. Now, now track the logic. First, the response to the gospel produces thankfulness. Then you grow in the gospel. And what happens? Thankfulness. And as you're established in the gospel, you begin to wonder, okay, what does it look like to be mature, to be established, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that could come in and pull us away, the craftiness of men that would, that would carefully devise psychological systems that are antithetical to the gospel. How do we measure our growth in the Lord. He says this, the rule or the measure of Christian of the Christian life is thankfulness. <laughs> he says as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The the way that we measure Christian maturity is by how often we turn to God and we go, oh Lord, you are so good. You have been so faithful to me. You've covered everything. I I am learning as I go and you are so patient, so gracious and so loving. How often do we turn our hearts to the Lord? That's a great measure of Christian maturity. And finally, in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, he says this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Doing what? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. The last thing he says here in Colossians, it's not only the response to the gospel is thankfulness and the result of growing is thankfulness and the rule or the measurement of maturity is thankfulness, but the rhythm of the Christian life is thankfulness. I mean, mean, think about it in this way. Whatever you do, I'm, I'm at the house, I'm mowing my lawn, and I just begin to turn to the Lord in my heart and sing songs, make up melodies in my heart and just begin to praise God for, God, thank you. 
Or, or songs that we know of, songs maybe even from a long time ago. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Begin lifting up praises to God. That should just be the rhythm of the Christian life. Every moment that we have, every task that we're doing, everything that we're a part of, our heart is turned to God, and we say to him, God, it is because of you, it is in you that I live, I move, I have my being, my breath, my heartbeat, my gifts, my abilities, my personality, the things that you've provided, the resources, the place in life, the position I'm in, the country I'm born in, the day I'm given, all of it belongs to you. You are in sovereign control of every aspect of those things. God, thank you. Thank you. Oh, to give thanks to the Lord. How good it is. How pleasant it is to give thanks unto the Lord. Here in Colossians 3, Paul gives us three verses filled with three different references to thanksgiving. He says, as the peace of Christ rules in our hearts, we are to be thankful. Secondly, he says, as the word of Christ dwells in us and informs our teaching and our singing, we are to be thankful. Then Paul gives the blanket statement, whatever we do, we must do it all in a spirit of giving thanks to God the Father. Thankfulness is apparently a big deal to Paul. Are you getting that? It's a theme throughout the letter of Colossians. Now, coming back to our original topic, okay, that was, that was the issue of, of dealing with how thanksgiving happens in us. How does it actually work? Well, we begin to see that God is the author of everything. As we see that, we go, what do I have to take credit for? What, what did I do? I did nothing. It's all been him, every bit of it. So thank you. We begin to say thank you to God, okay? Now, that isn't the end of the story, though. Thanksgiving produces something in us. It begins to change us. So the, the question is, why is Thanksgiving such a big deal for Paul? It's a big deal because thanksgiving is not just the fruit of what God does for us, but it is also the path by which we are sanctified and change. Okay, let me slow that down because that was a long run-on sentence. That's my fault. That's not on you. Here is how God changes us. When we are thankful, we're purified. Because all of the onus and all of the dependency is not on us, it's on God. We begin to say, why would I choose something lesser than him? <laughs> I love a C.S. Lewis, he's one of my favorite authors, he's got this great quote, it just kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about this, where he says, you know, uh, we are too far too easily pleased. We're like children who are offered a day at the beach but want to play in mud pies in the backyard. Yeah, that's what sin is. Sin is the mud pie we settle for when God's saying, let me take you to the coast. 
We are far too easily pleased. And when we begin to be thankful for what God is giving and what God is offering, we begin to see the mud pie for what it is. Now, in the third chapter of Colossians, Paul tells us there's, there's kind of two things or two elements of, of change that take place in our life. First, we, we change by putting away certain things, right? He says, once you guys were liars and idolaters and fornicators, and, you, know, you put that stuff away. You, you put that away. Okay? But then also, we put on something. We change by putting on certain behaviors. The Christian life is not just merely about quitting sinful behaviors, but about beginning righteous behaviors, like being compassionate and forgiving. You know, he said, those who steal or have stolen should steal no more, but rather now labor with their hands that they might be givers, right? Replacing the bad with what is good and right. As he rounds out the chapter at the end of the section on the new ways that believers are to behave in Christ, Paul concludes the section by talking about giving thanks. Now, in fact, as you think about this, as you really begin to think through this with me, thankfulness is the opposite of every sin that you will ever commit. Think about it. Thankfulness is the opposite of every sin that you will ever commit. The logic of sin is this. It's greed. It's I want. I don't believe God will provide. He's not good enough to give me. He won't, so I will. At the root of every sin is a heart that says, I don't trust God. I am not thankful for what he's provided. What he has given is insufficient. I want more. And see, this is the great defense against sin in our lives. The great defense. When I first became a Christian, um, I, I had a whole, you know, past that was chock full of, of, of sin and lust and all kinds of things. And so, I, you know, I... There was a process by which God was purifying me, changing the way that I would think about, you know, uh, people around me or females or um, about my own self-worth and value and those kinds of things. And then I got married. And some of that stuff was still being worked out in me. And, And one of the things that I found to be the greatest tool against lust in my life was to give thanks for the wife that God had provided for me. To say, every time I'm tempted to take that second look or, or, or to do something that, that is inappropriate or allow some thought to settle in my mind, to simply turn my heart to God and say, God, thank you. You have provided for me an awesome wife who loves me, lays down her life for me, who pursues me relentlessly. You want to be cured Is there a sin you're battling with? Is there a sin you're struggling with? Locate what that need is that you're trying to get satisfied in the flesh and begin to identify the ways in which God is meeting that need in your life. You're prone to depression? Prone to anger? What is it that you're dissatisfied with? 
What is it that you're upset with? Do you see where God is meeting that need? Or do you see why God in his infinite wisdom is withholding that need from being met? And begin to turn in praise to him and to give thanks. You see, we say, I want, I want, I want. And the logic of sin is driven by wanton lust. I must have that one thing that I don't have. And when I don't get it, I get worried or angry or sad or something else. If we are going to fight sin and be profoundly different, then we must, be do, we, we must do something to undercut our sinful lust to have every last thing that we want. And this is where thankfulness comes in. Thankfulness destroys sin because instead of looking around for what it does not have, thankfulness looks around and is content with everything that it possesses. It chooses to see God in all of his goodness and to give him thanks. See, thanksgiving and righteousness are inseparable. Thanksgiving and righteousness are inseparable. A person who sins less is a person who gives thanks much. For the rest of your life, if you were only and always thankful, you would never sin again. Isn't that an incredible thought? For the rest of your life, if you were only and always thankful, you would never turn to anything else for satisfaction other than obedience in God. There would be no need. You will sin again, though. And when you do, a lack of gratitude will be at the heart of that. So here's my final and you know, parting thought here. When, when we think about sin, what happens if we refuse to be thankful? What happens when we say no to thankfulness? Well, Romans 1 tells us this. The people in their hearts began, after seeing all the goodness of God and his provision, chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, they saw God and all of his benevolence and they chose not to be thankful. And so God gave them over to their passions. And sin was what followed. Listen, to the degree that we refuse a life of thanksgiving is the degree to which we will be ensnared by sin. There's a guy named Ignatius, an early church father, who said this, the deadliest sin is ingratitude. It is the cause, the beginning, and the origin of all evils and sins. This remarkable passage here in Colossians is an indictment against those who would refuse to be thankful. If you ask 100 people to name the sin that's at the origin of all evils, I'll bet none of them would say ingratitude. I bet none of them would, would guess that. And yet this is the pattern we see over and over again. They would probably say pride or disobedience or greed or anger. The idea that we sin because we're not sufficiently aware of God's goodness probably wouldn't even occur to too many people. So I bring us back to our original questions. 
Why is Ferguson on fire? Why doesn't everyone, or why doesn't anyone, even our president, believe that the government can fix anything or do any good? Why do all our heroes fall? The answer from the Bible is an attitude of ingratitude. So here's, here's what I want to challenge us to do. This, this is our, our Thanksgiving time. And it gives us a wonderful opportunity to remember one of the main tools God has given us in Christ to defeat sin. And that's Thanksgiving. You and I need to grow in the grace of gratitude. When we see all that God does to save us, to sustain us, and to redeem us, what else could we do other than offer up Thanksgiving? So, here's what you do. Have a feast. Have, have a helping of turkey. Have, have two helpings of turkey. Eat until your gut feels like it's going to explode. Then lean back in your recliner, watch football, and turn your head to God for just a moment and say, oh God, thank you. Thank you for my family that's gathered around. And thank you for the, the grace that I'm now enjoying. Thank you for the privilege of living where I live. Thank you for the air I breathe. Thank you for not letting that gravy clog my arteries. God, thank you. Offer up to him thanks all day and lead your family in it and lead your kids in it. And when you go to bed and you're praying with your kids or you have that opportunity in a phone call or, or, or a friend that you take out to lunch, give thanks to God in everything that you're doing. Give thanks to him with a, with a heart of sincerity from the deepest part of who you are. Recognize the goodness of God and give him the glory that is due to him. Sam is going to come back up here now and, and play a couple of worship songs, but we're going to do something as a church that we, we don't oftentimes get a, an opportunity to do. And I, I want to have you guys gather up into groups of about no more than four people, okay? No more than four. So gather up in groups of four, and you're going to gather up together, and we're going to go through a list of categories to be thankful, okay? And we're just going to, for a few months, now, let me say this. Some of you guys are as eloquent as I am, and you'll just ramble on for a long, long time. We're going to call this Tweets to Jesus, okay? Um, where you keep it under 130 characters, and you just give thanks to God in these different categories that I'm going to lead you in, okay? So you'll have about two to three minutes for everybody to be able to lift up their tweets to Jesus, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close with some worship. Amen? All right, gather up, groups of four, hit it. Ready, set, go. Go.